Turn with me quickly to Exodus chapter 14. And I know your fears. Two chapters. We're not going to get through this morning, obviously. So we're going to concentrate on chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. And we'll read the entire chapter in its entirety. Exodus 14, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they may turn and camp before Pi-Hahithroth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite of Baal-Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say, to the children of Israel, will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness have closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, so that, the will, uh, so that he will pursue them, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh, over, and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his armies, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the, the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were turned against the people, and they said, "Why have we done this? That we have let the, that we have let Israel go from the, from serving us." So he made ready his chariots and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt um, with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi-Hahithroth before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there are no graves in Egypt, you have taken us, uh, taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have, you, why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the words, I'm sorry, is this not the words that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Then Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground to the midst of the sea. And I, indeed, will harden the heart of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over, over Pharaoh and over all his armies, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gained honor for, uh, for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of the Lord, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And a pillar of, of cloud, and a pillar of cloud went before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. 
Thus, it was a cloud of darkness to the one, and they gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the, went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued, uh, pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians, and he took off their chariot wheels so that, it was, uh, so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full, full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea, then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the armies of Pharaoh that, it came, into, that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and the left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw a great work which the Lord had, had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, you don't have to turn there real quick, but I would like to read one more passage before we commence. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And it reads this. It says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under a cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into, Mo into Moses and in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But, they did, uh, but with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became an example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, they, the people sat, sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And verse 11 says, now all these things happened to them as an example that they may be written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age have come. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And so this morning we find ourselves in this climactic miracle in the Old Testament, probably one of the most popular miracles uh, in Bible uh, stories. But we read there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 how these things were written for our admonition. You know, sometimes we can look upon a story like this and say, that's for the Sunday school. That's for little kids, you know. But there's a, there's a wealth of practical 
information for us believers here. In fact, Paul alluded to there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And in, in fact, I, I read that because I wanted to point that out. I want you to have that in your mind because he, he, he coupled the crossing of the Red Sea, the cloud, he, he, uh, uh, the manna and the water from the rock together. And he says, you know, even though the, 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 the multitude of Israel had all these things, God was not pleased. God was not pleased with many of them. In fact, he says, the wilderness is scattered with their bodies, he says. Why? Well, because they lusted after evil things. They were, some of them were idolatrous at heart, right? And what I find the most interesting is the, the, the quote that he uses from Exodus. It says that they sat down and ate and they rose to play. Now I pause there because what's wrong with sitting down to eat and getting up to play? You see, brothers and sisters, we live in a society that's all we ever do. We sit down to eat and we rise to play. Even Christianity, Christendom in this country as a whole can be classified as that. Yes, we come to meetings once a week. We sit down, we, we, we sing a song, we say a prayer, and we listen to a message and we go home, and we sit down, and we eat, and we get up, and we play. Yet it, it was so grave that the Lord was displeased with this group. So much so that they did not enter into the promised land. They were scattered for 40 years. They wandered the wilderness because of their idolatry, because of their disbelief, because of their lack of faith. And so I... I, I, we begin to look at the story with that, with that point of view, with that angle. It, it's the church today. We are blessed. And yet we live lives. We live lives with, with God barely in it. And we see God was displeased with them, and we can learn from them. And so we find ourselves here... The children of Israel, the Passover had just passed. The, the, the Paschal lamb was sacrificed. The blood was on the, uh, on the doorpost, on the side post, on the top post. And that lamb paid. The lamb was the atoning lamb for those firstborn. But now we find ourselves there before the sea. And I would like to point out that the Lord put them there. The Lord could have had them gone any other way. In fact, there was an, an available road, the, the, the way of the Philistines, it's called. But the Lord said, no, we're not going the way of the Philistines because we're, I'm afraid that, that if the people see war, their hearts would go faint. So we're going to go a different way. You know, to the eye would say that that makes perfect logic, absolutely. And the Lord says, no, we're going to go this way. I, I, he told Moses, Moses, I want you to go uh, uh, to this place called Pi Hahirithoth. Say that fast five. Say that fast five times, and I, I sat home and practiced. I kid you not, Jamie. Jamie can attest to that. I want you to go camp at this place by the sea, opposite of, of Baal Zephon, next to to Amigdal. And, and, and as I studied, I, it, so, some commentators said this. Some commentators said that. One preacher said something which I thought was interesting, but I, I couldn't find, I couldn't verify. So I'm going to do something you're not supposed to do from a pulpit, is tell you something that I haven't verified. But I'm going to share it with you because I, I thought it was precious. 
And if it is true, it's wonderful. If it's not, please excuse me. But the brother went on to say that Pi Hahiroth, the word itself is in its meaning, in its context, is that of a cave opening. And you say, well, what's the significance of that? Well, the Lord told him to wait there in that place. And I'll draw your mind back to the Passover lamb, there where the lamb was sacrificed. And now the Lord has his people waiting at this place, the mouth of the cave. What do you think that reminds us of? What should that remind us of? Doesn't that remind you of the open tomb? It does for me. The Lord guided them there. The Lord led them there. Now, they stopped and they looked and, and, and it, was a, it, was a, it was a difficult place, yes? It, it was a place in which humanity found themselves in an impossible situation. Kind of like the old tomb there, wasn't it? The Savior was in the tomb. Our Savior is dead. Yeah, I, I absolutely love the response of Moses, right? The people cried out, said, oh, Moses, you, you should have left us in Egypt. You should have left us. In, is there not graves in Egypt? Are, are they all full? Mocking him. Moses says, stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the you know, I, I wonder, I, I look at this scene and I, and I think of Mary. There, as she, she walked to that tomb, her heart was broken because her Savior was in that tomb. And yet when she found the open tomb, she, she could not put it together. She, she frantically ran around. She went and got the disciples and said, they, ha they have taken the Lord. And she frantically sat there and wept. And even when an angel told her, woman, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? She could not figure it out. The Lord himself appeared to her, didn't he? He came up behind her and said, why do you weep? And she thought he was just a mere gardener. A mere gardener. Could you imagine that? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one in whom all things were made by him and for him and through him, and all things are sustained. And she would turn to him and said, if you've taken his body, just let me know. I, 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 I just want my Savior. I, I, I want to know where he's at. And the Lord just said her name. Mary. And that was it. That was the trigger. But you see, when we, when we compare that story to this story, you see, Mary was frantically trying to do something. When it comes to the work of redemption, there's nothing we can do. As much as Mary worried that morning, she could not do anything to help the situation. 
And the children of Israel would look upon their situation and see the, 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 the armies of Egypt and all their chariots, all with a captain on each chariot, coming at them. And they cried out to the Lord, it says. I imagine some of them may have said, well, let, let, let get, the, get the men together, get the young men together, let, let's put up, let's get some arms, and let's do something. Moses says, stand still. Some of them may have said, well, you guys run that direction, and we'll run this direction. Moses says, stand still. Stand still. You know, it's very interesting, the verbs there. Moses tells the people to stand still. And yet in the very next verse, the Lord says, Moses, why are you crying? Tell the people to go forward. <laughs> it's, it's obvious, isn't it, right? I, to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit and, and to those who walk in, in, in a renewed mind, sometimes it can be obvious, absolutely. But the people had to turn, face that water, and begin to walk and step forward. And of course, Moses Follow, follow the Lord's command and, and stretch out his hand and the sea parted. A wind came across and parted the sea. And they walked on dry ground. Now, you know, th th there's an incredible amount of application for believers in that principle. And not just in the sense of redemption. The work, all of it is, belongs to the Lord. But also in a Christian walk. You see... The Lord doesn't promise us those who are, who are saved, those who are uh, blood-bought saints, to have an easy life. To have a life filled with happiness and no worries. In fact, he, he promises quite the opposite. He says, you're you going to have a life of trials and tribulations. But he also says, I will be with you. You know, in your Christian career, The times in which the Lord is glorified is in the times in which you are helpless. Now you see the children of Israel there, they could not help themselves. They could not do anything. Yet all they could do is, is cast themselves upon the Lord. And the Lord was glorified. And that is ex extremely true in a believer's life. You know, sometimes it's true in my life. I, 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 Lord, when it comes to the big things and the things that I, I obviously cannot fix, Lord, I, I turn to you and I cry. I said, Lord, help me because I am drowning. I'm stuck. I, I cannot get out of this unless you're with me, Lord. And the Lord works. Sadly, though, the Lord should also be involved when the trials are little. You know, I, I, I wonder, when I look back at my life, how many times I was so quick to act upon my own logic, my own wisdom, to help myself out when the Lord was standing by. The Lord was standing by to rescue me. Yet I was quick. I mean, just a quick example. How many times in my life, I, it's happened many times, where things, you know, financially get a little tight. And when things get financially a little tight, 
the Lord tends to put a little more squeeze on you. Just, hey, listen, you're not depending on your job. You're not depending upon your abilities, but you're depending on me. And so something will happen like the car will break down. Worst moment. What would I do? Do I get on my knees and cry to the living God for guidance, for support? No, I reach into my wallet. I take out this little plastic credit card. I said, well, I'll fix it. Now, I'm not saying credit cards are evil, though sometimes they are. But saints, how many times in our lives, in our walk with the Lord, do we fail to give the God, God the opportunity to come alongside and to reveal himself to you because we are so quick to act. You know, God, God is gracious, he, isn't he? Even though we, we, we kind of step in, step in front of ourselves, step on our own feet, step on our shoelaces and trip, trip and fall time and time again. Yet he's there, faithful, gracious. He picks us up even though we don't depend on him fully. You know, I'm reminded of that story of the disciples there in Luke chapter 8. The Lord says, we're going to go across to the other side. And they all get in. The Lord finds a pillow. Precious picture. Lord's sleeping there on the boat. He didn't have anywhere to lay his head, but in this occasion, he did find a pillow. And he was resting. But a storm came. And the waves rose and fell, and the rain and the lightning. And these seasoned sailors started to fear for their lives. And they woke the Lord. And in Mark, they actually would accuse him of saying, they would say to him, do you not care we're perishing, they said. The Lord stood up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and turns to them and says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Saints, when you get caught in a bind, when, when, when tribulations are in front of you and things get tough, sometimes we cry to the living God in disbelief. Why is this happening to me, Lord? Did he not promise that he would take care of us? Did he not promise that he would take care of all our needs? He says, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. No greater resource we could ever ask for. Yet our faith, and I speak to myself, lacks time and time again. And so we see the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea there. But we have to stop and pause and consider the cloud. We read that the angel of God was before them. It was God who led them there. But when the, when the armies of Egypt came upon them, it says that he moved from the front and he moved to the back. That's a precious thing, saints. When we consider the work of Christ, 
Not only does he stand between you and your sins, but he also stands between you and your circumstance. What a God we serve. Not only does he take care of us concerning our sinful nature, concerning our flesh, but when it comes to our walk, when it, when it comes to our travels in this world, he is between our circumstances. He's ever there mediating, interceding for us. It says that it was a, a cloud of darkness to one and fire and light to the other. Isn't that a beautiful picture of Calvary? Isn't that a beautiful picture of Christ himself? For those who look upon him for salvation, he is life and life abundant. But to those who look upon him and say, he is foolishness. To them, he is a stumbling block. To them, ultimately, he is their condemnation. Yet he stands one half completely dark, the other half in perfect light. Friend, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, which side are you on? Which side do you stand on? Do you stand with the Egyptians in all their wisdom, in all their technology? You see, the Egyptians... Uh, in this story can, can depict to us the world and all that it has to offer. Do you stand with the world or you, do you stand with the Savior? And we see that the, 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 the two plus million crossed the sea in one night. In one night. That, that's, that's quite a feat. I mean, I read some... some some statistics that it, 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 the gap in the water could have possibly been a, up to five miles wide to get that many people to cross a body of water in eight hours. I'm not going to get into it too much, but don't, don't, let, don't let science say, oh, listen, they, they walked across some shallow marshes, the wind blew and it was, the, the tide was low and they just walked across. No, no. The Bible is very clear. It was a miracle. The waters parted. The ground they walked upon was dry. And two million people walked across the bottom of that sea. And the Bible is very clear. It says the waters were like a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. It was a miracle. It was the hand of God that delivered his people that night. We see that the, that the Egyptians pursued them. And the angel of the Lord, or I should say the Lord himself, for that angel of the Lord was a Christophany, was the Lord himself leading them. Looked through the cloud and saw the Egyptians, and he says, he made their travels a little difficult. The wheels got stuck. The wheels came off. You know, isn't that true with all the ideas of this world? 
All the dogmas that exist in this world. Oh, there's many ways to heaven. There's many ways to God. Just as long as you believe in what you believe in and, and, and you're, you're, you're true to yourself and you're kind to your fellow man, God is love. There's a way that seems right unto a man. That its end leads to what? Destruction. Yet here you see Egypt in all its glory and it's all its technology. Useless. When it comes to what? To crossing the waters. To crossing, to traversing the waters of what? Well, saints, if you don't know, water in, in the Old Testament can be a picture sometimes of death itself. You can look in the New Testament and see the same thing. For baptism itself is a picture of death. We go down into the water with Christ. We go into the, into the tomb with Christ, yet we, come, we rise forth with Christ with him. It is a picture of death. Humanity can, can, can try as hard as they can to, to find a way to God. To, to find some way to find merit before a holy and righteous God. And all of it returns folly and worthless. It says that the morning came and the Lord told Moses, Moses, now is the time. Stretch out your arms and the, the seas will return to its original depth. And there Pharaoh and his host all You know, Moses told the children of Israel, it says, be still, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. For, for the Egyptians you see, the Lord is going re, re, to redeem you from them. And you will not see them again. Saints, we read in Hebrews chapter 2, don't we? That through death, Christ, that he might destroy him, who had the power of death. That is the devil. And released those who through fear of death. I'm sorry, I misread it. Let me look it up. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 reads, Inasmuch, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise share in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those through, uh, through fear of death who all their lifetimes were subject to bondage. You see, the children of Israel were in bondage to the Egyptians, were in bondage to, to Pharaoh in Egypt, a picture of the world and the devil. Yet the Lord came and he died. He became a man and he died for what? That he would conquer death. And, and if, if you're here this morning and you know that the Lord is your personal savior, you may fear death, but you shouldn't have to. For the, the afterlife is secure. Your salvation, your redemption is secure. There is nothing to fear. 
You see, and the bondage and death that the world and the devil had upon you is no longer there. You're freed from it. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ is your personal Savior. Friend, you, you're, you're in bondage to the flesh, the world, and the devil. And your path, as I said before, leads to destruction. But if you're born again, like I said, just like, just like Moses declared unto them, you will see them no more and forever. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that your, your walk after, uh, after your redemption is is one of, of sinlessness. No. But it's one in which you're not bound and in bondage to your flesh and your sin. But you walk in newness of life. Yes, we do sin. It is said of a believer that he's not sinless, but he sins less. And so we don't walk in bondage to, the, to, to, to this world and the devil. But we walk and liberty, and freedom as sons of God. I'm out of time here, so I'll close with this thought. The children of Israel stood there on that shore and saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And the Lord was honored over Pharaoh. The Lord overcame. And the children of Israel, it says, marveled. And it says, they believed the Lord and his servant. It is a precious thing to walk a life believing in the Lord, believing in his Savior. You know, I, I made reference sometimes to how our faith falters. And I don't know about you, but when my faith falters, it's because my eyes have stopped looking and gazing upon his face, have looked down and looked upon the circumstances. Saints, to walk a life with our gaze and our stride solely on him, To walk a victorious life, a victorious Christian life, is to, have, is, to, is to have our sights, our perspective on him and him alone. For when, when we don't, we falter and fall. And we'll actually, we don't have time, but we would have covered it in chapter, in chapter 15. They faltered there in, in, in the waters of Mara. They walked three days and they could not find water. The Lord redeemed them from Egypt. Had them walk through the sea in dry land. Three days later, they're complaining they don't have any water. We're going to die, Moses. All we have is this bitter water. They, 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 they forgot. They lost sight, didn't they? Saints, I pray for myself as I do you. Let us not lose sight. Let us not forget what he has done for you and I. Let us not lose faith in our walk. Let us pray. Our Heavenly God and Father, we thank you and praise you for your character 
for who you are. For in spite of our weaknesses, for in spite of our faithlessness, you are there. You're ever there providing, guiding, leading. Father, I pray that our, our gaze and dependence upon you would grow stronger with each moment, with each day. That we would learn, Lord, to, to be still and stand still and wait and see your work and your handiwork. To rely less on ourselves and our strength and our wisdom. And to wholly rely on you for all things, Lord. Lord, I ask all these things in your son's precious name. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.